I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're discussing the 1956 film High Society, in which heiress Tracy Lord, played by Grace Kelly, is engaged to boring social climber George Kittredge, and attracted to journalist Mike Connor, who's played by Frank Sinatra, and just maybe in love again with her ex-husband C.K. Dexter Haven, played by Bing Crosby. It's a musical reinvention of Philip Barry's play The Philadelphia Story, featuring a delightful Cole Porter score, and including appearances by Louis Armstrong and his band. Yes. <laughs> and... I uh, don't want to tip my hand, but the <laughs> Philadelphia story was 10 million times better. <laughs> Starting with the fact that it was set in Philadelphia as opposed yes. to freaking Newport, Rhode Island. Like nothing yes. against Rhode Island, but like if you want to somehow make Philadelphia story more ostentatious, I guess you move it to Newport, Rhode Island. Yes, um, I... I just don't understand how you think you could improve on the Philadelphia story, except for like the obvious problematic parts of the writing, like performance wise. Why? Why? Why remake this movie? Well, but like most of the problematic stuff was still in this version. Like it wasn't like they were like, oh, we're 25 years like more advanced or whatever from I guess it was just like 10 years to 15 years more advanced. But like in our like social commentary and understanding of the w- women's place in a, in the world. No, yeah, we're just gonna update it with some singing men. And, <laughs> and somehow in Technicolor, all the like uh, icky parts were just even worse. Yes, somehow in Technicolor, <laughs> we digress. I, I guess no one gets like shoved down. In no one gets punched. Place. Yeah, no, no one gets punched. Well, no people get punched. No, that's no true. women get punched in this movie. Right, that's right. No women get punched at the beginning of this movie. So I guess that's one improvement. The well, single, would you like? I, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Do the single about, improvement. I mean, this also does have Louis Armstrong, so at least there are people of color in this movie. Correct. Yeah, I would say that there were three things that I liked better about this movie, or not necessarily better, but there were three things that I liked. <laughs> One was Louis Armstrong and his uh-huh. band. Yes. Two was. Cole Porter music because I I really do like Cole Porter it just kind of felt like why was this a musical but like I still enjoyed the Cole Porter (laughs) and then three was that I liked the Liz character Mm -hmm. better in this one I mean I liked her in the the original version too so yes but I just I just like strong character yeah and it's um you're bioing Celeste Holm right Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll get more into that. But I just, I thought she was really good at it. But would you like to hear some trivia? I would like to hear some trivia. Oh, so this was Grace Kelly's last film before retiring from acting. She was recently engaged to Prince Rainier of Monaco. Sure. And she sure. wore her actual engagement ring for her character's ring um, in the filming. And that's it, basically all you need to know about this movie. She's wearing her Monaco her prince, I know. prince monaco engagement ring in this movie it was a 10.5 carat emerald yeah. cut diamond flanked yeah. by two baguettes whatever whatever baguettes are i never quite understood that. no i'm not rich enough to know what that means <laughs> um i did think that like her play grace kelly playing this role i was like this is probably like fairly close to your life yeah it's like yeah or soon to be life yeah uh the song true love was written by cole porter especially for the movie 
and it was a huge hit and million seller and both grace kelly and bing crosby were awarded platinum records for the song and it's the only platinum record that was ever given to sitting royalty because grace kelly had become a princess by the time she received the award Wow. Although I think it's funny, she only sings twice in the whole movie. If you notice, she doesn't really sing. Mm-hmm. I, for one, would not want to have to do a duet with Bing Crosby if I was yeah. not a professional singer. Yeah, right. I mean, like, even even the people in this movie who are professional singers, like, h- how do you make Frank Sinatra sound subpar? You play him <laughs> with Bing Crosby. <laughs> I know. I thought the same thing, which is, which is funny, but, like... You know, normally he would be the standout, but then then Bing Crosby starts crooning and it's all over. That's right. So yeah, the only two times she sang were during True Love, which I thought was kind of weak, honestly, Mm -hmm. her part in that. And then sort of drunkenly singing sensational yeah um which i thought it was noticeable the, just the way that except for louis armstrong and the band who were there for the newport jazz festival mm-hmm. and could were actually performing as a band i found the musical numbers jarring within the mm-hmm. plot like it was yeah. not seamlessly interspersed with the dialogue yeah i agree so although this is a remake of the philadelphia story as you mentioned it takes place in Newport and the whole reason they moved it there was so that they could have that plot point of the jazz festival which I think is like why I mean they they couldn't like invent a jazz festival in Philadelphia is that like I mean we have jazz festivals (laughs) we do we just had one in Philly a couple weeks ago I mean it's like is Newport known for its joy's jazz festival the one that I know about is in New Orleans so why was it? Well, it is famous. I mean, like I know. It, so the, apparently, it started close to this time. Like it started, it started in the fifties. CK Dexter Haven's house. It did. It was actually Dex was the one who started it. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Rose, who designed the costumes, also designed Grace Kelly's wedding gown for her sure. marriage. Of course, she did. <laughs> yes. And just for some perspective, like if you were thinking, geez, some of these dudes look old. Grace Kelly was 26, Frank Sinatra was 40, and uh-huh. Bing Crosby was 53 uh-huh. when they filmed this. Mm-hmm. He was more than twice Grace Kelly's age. Yeah, like just like firmly old enough to be her dad. Yeah. Her it's okay. funny though, because we have I've seen like several movies with Bing Crosby in them at this point for the podcast. And he's just always too old for all the women. He's and he's too old for the roles. Like, yeah, you know, he's playing someone who's like enrolled in the like army, yeah, or something. And he's like fifty. I mean, not that you can have one, but it's supposedly someone who like enlisted as a soldier, as a, like a young person. Yeah, it's like no, you actually are in your fifties. Like, just play your age, dude. Yeah, I I don't think that I have made it unclear at this point, <laughs> but I hated this movie. Hated oh it. God. Oh hated it so much would not have finished it if we weren't watching it for the podcast <laughs> well, that's, that's I'm it. slightly i'm slightly surprised that you were that like passionately against this movie i mean it's i think it's just it's very difficult for me because i love the philadelphia story yes and this yes. is just like a poor imitation of the philadelphia story without you mean a rich imitation? Yes. 
like so many uh, so i don't know if there was any like remake of the philadelphia story that i would be happy with i doubt it because it has my three favorite stars in it yeah like the philadelphia ties and it was just like very formative to me like growing up even though i know there are problems with it yeah well all of the like leads just seemed bad to me in comparison with the 1930s version well, and it's hilarious to me that, like, Grace Kelly actually is from Philadelphia, and yeah. yet, like, here she is in a, in a remake of the Philadelphia story, but it is set in Newport, Rhode Island. Like, that's... I know. It makes no sense. You have a Philadelphia in, in the Philadelphia story. <laughs> well, and there were some crucial things that they actually did cut out with this remake. Like, in the original... Dex was an alcoholic Uh and that was part of the reason that was the main reason that they broke up Mm -hmm. and that is not part of this remake and the only illusion they give to why they broke up was that she disapproved that he was playing jazz right how dare he yeah so that just seemed like a very weak plot point to me right yes well and by extension like like did she like did they break up because she was like against the i don't know the african-americans that he was hanging out with and because he was playing jazz like is there like a racist undertone who knows yeah that's a good question because the way she phrased it something like why couldn't you play more respectable music right it's like i mean that does sound race you know either racist or classist or both yeah but yeah so I don't, it just seemed like Bing Crosby did not, he, he was not energetic enough for that role. No. Like he seemed sort of lazy. Like he was just lolling about and not that invested in what happened. Yeah. I mean, I think like he's like, yeah, strolling through this movie being like, yeah, I already know at the beginning she's going to come back to me. He didn't try very hard. No. I mean, I, I thought Frank Sinatra was better as Mike than Mm -hmm. he, than Crosby was as mm-hmm. Dex. And they, there was like some chemistry between him and Grace, whereas there was none between Grace and ben Crosby. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're kind of just together because they're like our neighbors. Yeah. I think there was some allusion or some reference to them like having grown up together. But of course, like he's 25 years older than her. So yeah. So how is that possible? Right. <laughs> so his dad, her dad grew up with him or something. Yeah, it's it, it's somehow just the way it was played. And I don't know if the, it was like the writing. I mean, some of the lines were just taken word for word, but mm-hmm. the, like the whole goddess thing. Yes, the goddess thing. But somehow it didn't hold up for me as much with Grace Kelly, like that she was so principled at, or like held held everyone to such a high standard. Like I just wasn't getting that from her Yeah, in the same way. And that's like the whole premise like the movie is all based on that we um jumped right in do you want to hear who i bioed yes please i'm sorry i got excited (laughs) i got ahead of myself (laughs) no i think it's good i bioed um celeste holm who played a character that you and i both appreciated i think both versions of the story plays the photographer liz who's you know the from the magazine very like hard-hitting good head on her shoulders at some point in the movie she refers to her swedish heritage liz mm-hmm. like the character refers to her like swedish heritage so it turns out celeste holm was born in manhattan in april uh 19 in 1917 <laughs> um and so her birth month sort of accidentally like doing this movie or 
yeah, doing this movie during her birth month. Her mother was an American portrait artist and her father was a Norwegian businessman whose company provided marine adjustment services for Lloyd's of London. Um, mm-hmm. So she actually does have Scandinavian like heritage in her, like a generation removed um, because of her parents' occupations. They traveled a lot when she was younger. She was an only child and she attended schools in the Netherlands and France and the United States. So very well traveled. She went to um, high school and then college in Chicago um, at some fancy like prep schools. And then at the University of Chicago, became a stage actress in the 1930s. Her first theatrical role was in a production of Hamlet starring Leslie Howard. So starting at the top. Yeah. (laughs) She got um, some small roles on Broadway and then managed to get a role in The Time of Your Life in 1940 on Broadway with fellow newcomer Jean Kelly. And then she really like came into her own in terms of the reception from critics and audiences um, in the role of Ado Annie in the premiere production of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma in 1943. Wow. I wish I could have seen that. I know. Yes, that is exactly like, sure, yes. She was in a few more Broadway productions and then signed a movie contract with 20th Century Fox and uh, her first real movie was Gentleman's Agreement in 1947, for which she won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. Then she was in All About Eve, which we saw, one mm-hmm. of our favorite, loved. Yes, <laughs> our favorite podcast movies. And uh, having spent just a little bit of time in movies, she realized that she really preferred to do live theater. So she spent the most of the rest of her career in 50s doing uh, just a few films while she was on the stage. Um, and that this period includes tender, The Tender Trap in 1955 and then the musical High Society in 1956, both of which co-starred Frank Sinatra. She, in the like late 50s and into the 60s, she played a lot of like reporters <laughs> as I was oh. looking at this. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she, in 1965, she played the fairy godmother in C- the CBS production of Cinderella. So not a, not a reporter, but. um the next best thing the next best thing exactly she was she continued to act in the 1970s and 1980s both in film and on tv and she last appeared on television in the cbs television premiere promised land in the 1990s which is the first thing i saw her in she played the grandmother and (laughs) she she over the course of her career she received numerous honors uh including the 1968 Sarah Siddons Award for Distinguished Achievement in Chicago Theater, and she was appointed Knight First Class of the Order of St. Olaf by King Olaf of Norway in 1979, and she was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame in 1992. She was very active in uh, a lot of, like, social causes, including as a spokesperson for UNICEF, and she was the chairman of the Board of Arts Horizons for a number of years in the 1990s, and she was inducted into the Scandinavian American Hall of Fame in 1995. Oh my Uh, gosh. I bet all the Scandinavian stuff just made you love her even more. I know. I was like, oh, yes, I love this. She was married... (laughs) 
four times. Uh, she, at, towards the end of her life, into her 80s and 90s, she suffered a series of health concerns and she died in July 2012 in New York City at the age of 95. Wow. She lived a cool life. A long life. She's, actually, speaking of age differences, her last husband was 45 years younger than she was. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go yeah i mean maybe she was like you know when i was in that movie high society that seemed to be working out (laughs) if i were bing crosby (laughs) (laughs) i really liked her in this i thought she played up the humor of the role really well yeah yeah the humor of the role and also the like you could see it's similar to this role in um in the philadelphia story you could see kind of like the the strategy of why she was like i'm gonna stick with mike and not yeah not give him too hard of a time and and like you could see kind of like the sad strategy of it of just like you know, she was, she knew she was never going to be the like high society girl, but she didn't mind. Yeah. She was kind of like, I'm, I'm going to wait it out. Yeah. Well, and even when Tracy like breaks her camera on purpose to be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, she's like, well, I always carry a spare. She's like, she's not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I liked too that. I I think her character uh, makes a strong contrast with Tracy in that, like, she's a working woman, she has a quick wit, and she can hold her own. Mm-hmm. yeah but, but is also beautiful and um you know can you know like has all the social graces and isn't like that um uncomfortable in a situation where fancy cultural and social like mores are like, required she can like do it all yeah i mean i think that is an interesting part of the characters of mike and liz is that mm-hmm. they have to be able to at some level mix in with these folks and like you know when they go to the engagement party mm-hmm. he's wearing tails she's wearing an evening gown i mean like you have to be from you have to have some knowledge of these types of circles to even have yeah. that stuff well and i think that's the like the benefit of their role and as like being a reporter and a photographer is that they like clearly have the experience of like stepping into that role and then stepping out of it to be like we're just reporting on it yeah i did like that well like i i hated that she was being sexually harassed by uncle willie i hate that in the in the philadelphia story as well yeah but i liked that dex like helped her hide from Mm -hmm. in this one i thought that was a nice touch Although like a, a a perfect this could have that could have been a good um, use of a punch if we're gonna punch anybody like I oh yeah know, punch the guy who's actually harassing somebody yeah the lecherous old man which yeah. interestingly I didn't mention this in the trivia this was his last movie too that actor oh. oh who who played that role I think he died during the filming of his next movie oh geez yes that would have been a good use of a punch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Liz could have punched him. That would have yeah. been great. Anyone could have punched him. That would have been great. Yeah. I kind of would like, so I, I mean, I was like, I hated this, but I would like to hear more about just your overall impressions. <laughs> I mean, so I, I feel like I should have seen this movie 30 years ago because there was a like calendar page of like the three, you know, Bing Crosby, Grace Kelly and Frank Sinatra in my dad's office growing up that you know was like tacked on his bulletin board or whatever so I like 
I have known about this movie for my entire life and was always like, oh, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. I got to watch it. And so when we chose to do it for this podcast for this month, I was like, okay, finally, I'm going to watch it. I... I don't disagree with like everything you said. I think like from the from the beginning when I was like, oh, this is not in Philadelphia. Like, <laughs> why is it not? Why is it in freaking Newport, Rhode Island? In these like, you know, houses that like these mansions that like don't need to be this big. I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, but I did like the way that like Louis Armstrong's character was sort of inserted as kind of like a narrator to be like oh yeah. my and I like if anything I wish there was more of that mm-hmm. um to just kind of like play with the form I guess a little bit more because after a while it was just like oh yeah and also by the way Louis Armstrong is in this movie we forgot about him <laughs> the last 40 minutes but I was also really disappointed to like see like we said all of those like particularly the uh all the men in this movie for the most part being like oh Tracy she's a goddess who must be worshipped and she's like I don't want to I don't want to be worshipped I just it's hard to act like I'm made of flesh and blood and treat other people like they're made of flesh and blood when everybody is just like wanting me to be worshipped and like stone and bronze and whatever. And like that was the expectation in the Philadelphia story and that like expectation for that character didn't change in this version. Yeah. And it it also struck me more in watching this version that like people are really asking of her two different things. Like like people are like you're a goddess like you're you're hard and pristine and you know basically saying that she was too like above everybody else mm-hmm. and like too perfect and like expected other people to be perfect and all of that stuff but then her dad was also saying to her in that horrible speech about like maybe if i had a daughter who yeah, like worshiped me i wouldn't have an affair like what <laughs> Yeah, which like happens in the first in the Philadelphia story too, and it's like yeah, I mean it just it seemed even grosser to me. Some, I mean maybe because yeah. I've seen the Philadelphia story a million times, but it also again the, it being in Technicolor made it yeah. seem worse. <laughs> like well, it seemed it, like more recent. More, I yeah, no, I think you're right that like it like when a, a movie is in black and white, it it seems older, and when it's in color, it seems newer. And so even though there's only like a difference of like 10 or 15 years or whatever in these, the two movies, which, you know, is a long time, but it's not a ton, like in the whole like scope now of, you know, more than a hundred years of cinema or whatever, like how can you have this like antiquated view of women, but and yeah. take no responsibility, dumb dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just so gross and it's the kind of thing that would put you in therapy for the rest of your life <laughs> like yeah. did my dad cheat on my mom because I didn't love him enough <laughs> like what because I was an imperfect daughter yeah yeah and I mean he basically said that the fact that she was critical of him or like expected him to be better was what like made him feel like he had to he just wanted someone who unquestioningly adored him so he was like well I'm not getting that for my daughter so I'm gonna get that from some tart who I find well in the course line right and also like he has two daughters and one of them is like yeah that was another thing I didn't like about because one of the things I find annoying in the first in the Philadelphia story is her sister 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, hopefully they wrote that out of this version. No. <laughs> and they were like, no, here's a mop it. Let's, right. let's let well, them be really annoying. Right. And then there's the like scene where at the beginning where she's like, oh, oh well, like if, if you're not going to marry my sister, I'll marry you. She says to Dexter. And then, of course, like that age difference is like, you know, 150 years. So. <laughs> Um, and then also he sings that song to her called Little One, which I found super yeah. creepy. Yeah. Although I was like interpreting that as he wasn't being serious. He was just kind of like playing with her to yeah. like entertain her. And, you know, he wasn't like, oh, yes, I really am going to wait until, you know, until you're 20 and then I'm going to marry you. <laughs> I also think if I were Tracy... And I had divorced this person and my whole family was like, oh, we love Dex. Like, why don't you marry him? I would be so annoyed that they were not supporting me. Like, there's obviously a reason the relationship dissolved. Yeah. I mean, I can see how it would be like tricky if his house is next door. Although I have questions like when you were married, did did you live next door to your parents or like what happened? So, you know, I don't know. Where did you live? if you're high society enough there's only basically three families you can marry into (laughs) and nobody ever leaves that's right unless your house gets boarded up yes your house to become a school i felt so bad for those people you know these rich people who like the taxes are getting too high on their mansions and it's just so sad yeah i feel terrible for them (laughs) awful yeah this this was definitely an eat the rich type of movie. I was gonna, the whole time I was like this is our eat the rich movie <laughs> yeah all the decor and stuff too just seemed more gauche like that was one thing I felt like didn't translate well with the different like uh time period and mm-hmm. location is that in the Philadelphia story it was very clear that they were like old money and you could just tell like it was they were like blue bloods whereas in this setting it was not as clear that they were blue bloods and a lot of the way the house was decorated and stuff seemed more like new money yeah and I mean I, I did not get the same vibe yeah I mean I in some ways I couldn't forget that like grace kelly herself goes on to be a princess so i'm like yes of course she's in a movie with like all this like ostentation it the part of me that enjoyed this movie is the part of me that like likes to go see big house museums these mansions where it's just like so different mm-hmm. from my like everyday life or like the everyday life of like all of the people i know and just like like think about the like vastness and the just like unfettered wealth just to be like (laughs) of all the things you could think to do with this money you built this house and like (laughs) you know got all these like wedding presents that are like you know you could melt or like sell or whatever and like you know feed all the hungry people and house all the like unhoused people in in philadelphia for a long time and i kind of appreciate that like mike and liz these like normal people are like i don't need any of this (laughs) like i'm not not at all tempted (laughs) at all that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie when they sing the um um the millionaire song yeah me too and she held her own against frank sinatra which is no small feat yeah Yeah, i like that i appreciated that because it's kind of a like even as you're it's sort of like a tempering like yes we are among people who have like a hidden bar 
in their little library, which like I loved that. But like, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it, but it's also okay if you're not like, yeah, <laughs> I need that. Um, did you notice that they kept? Remember how there was that improvised line um, between Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant, where oh. Jimmy Stewart hiccups and Cary Grant says, "Excuse me." <laughs> yes. And then they kept it in this version. I thought that was funny. I didn't know that that I or I didn't remember that that was in the The other part that I got a genuine laugh out of me, which is also in the older one, was um, Frank Sinatra doing the prank call and saying, this is the voice of doom. (laughs) I was like, that is hilarious. Also, I would do that. Well, and like, what is the point of like visiting an enormous house that you like are slightly disdainful of? <laughs> like picking up the phone, pressing a button, and saying, This is the voice of doom. If ever, if ever I have the chance, I'm going to say that. That's hilarious. I think if I was any character in this movie, I would be Mike Connor. Yes. <laughs> can I be the Liz to your Mike Connor? Yes, you can. I mean, like, I would want to be Liz. But in reality, I would be like like very sneering of like the wealthy people and not able to contain it. So I would be Mike. No Quakers in this version. That's right. Because That's we were in Newport. That's right. That's why they had to move it to Newport. They're like, no, the, the Quakers aren't rich enough. We have to go. <laughs> Another change they made that I really disliked uh, should I just list them all? Yeah. Another one was the top the, ten things that Emily hates about my society. The ending. I think it's such a beautiful ending of the Philadelphia story, where like she's talking through the church door, and then the way she delivers the line of going beautifully through with it. That's originally intended, like, basically the movie ends that. But in this version, like, they do that line. And then they, like, go in and show the wedding, which Mm -hmm. I felt like was just such a kind of like a letdown after that scene. And I know why they did it, because they wanted to, like, reintroduce Louis Armstrong and his band and have them, like, bookend it. Mm -hmm. But I just think there could have been another way to do that that wasn't quite as dumb. I don't think I love that ending as much as you do just because I'm like you're not giving Tracy at all a choice in like what happens because you're just like basically saying like feeding her the line of like oh we're getting married again <laughs> like she there's no opportunity for her to say no or whatever which I guess you could say is really romantic but it's no it's fun. not it's not romantic I mean <laughs> I don't like it for that re- like this the, <laughs> the whole thing is bad I it's not like in reality you want Tracy to end up back with Dexter <laughs> no I mean but, but like it is it is hard not to watch this movie and to be like because because there are so many of the same lines it's hard not to watch this movie and be like okay now I'm comparing Grace Kelly to Katherine Hepburn Frank Sinatra to Jimmy Stewart and mm-hmm. Bing Crosby to to Cary Grant like is this like why are we why are we doing this well, indeed. <laughs> because like there's they're all wonderful actors and performers in their own right, but because it's like the same story, the same line, like the only the key di- the only key difference is that we're in a different city, but it's still like the same like wealthy backdrop. Like it's hard not to make those comparisons. And like you said, like Catherine Hepburn, the role feels written for Catherine Hepburn, and yeah, and then like to put Grace Kelly in, it's like what is. <laughs> 
so Grace Kelly is now playing Catherine Hepburn, which is weird. That's what it felt like to me. And th- I mean, that's something else we could talk about is this is a totally different type of role for her than anything else I've seen her in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm just very used to her as sort of like the Hitchcock ice queen, mm-hmm. like which very reserved. Problem. Yeah, which does have its own. But like, so seeing she was she had a lot more movement to her performance and like the way she spoke was um wilder like I've just I've seen her in all these very staid roles Mm -hmm. so it was a lot different and I couldn't tell if like this is just a different version of her or if she was kind of trying to imitate Catherine Hepburn yeah (laughs) well and probably at some point she was like well this is my last movie so I'm gonna have fun with it and so, I mean, I'm just guessing that yeah. there's sort of less at stake because she doesn't have to keep acting. She can't keep acting because she's going to become the princess of Monaco. <laughs> well, I did read that the role was originally intended for Elizabeth Taylor. Sure. <laughs> did you see that? And then, yeah. I, I don't know if that, I mean, I think Grace Kelly was a better fit for it than yeah. Elizabeth Taylor, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like seeing the combination of the actors I just it's hard not to make the, that comparison and like yes I will take Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart any day yeah I I agree a hundred percent and I mean Catherine Hepburn even originated the role on Broadway mm-hmm. so yeah I get it must have been I mean who would who could follow that though like I think grace kelly she did a good job it's just an impossible task right yeah i agree it's an impossible task an impossible expectation even with the like you know the addition of music that like makes it a slightly different yeah stage well i do know people who saw high society first and love it so maybe that's how like i i could just not i can't have an unbiased view of it (laughs) yeah this one yeah I mean I mean even with even though I we've been talking about comparing it I would say like the thing that the things that I don't like about the Philadelphia story are the things that I don't like about this movie like in the end like it's a consistent like you know it's a portrayal it's a misogynistic portrayal of this care of the character of Tracy Lord like in both versions and like I just Mm -hmm. uh, I find that just really hard to stomach um yeah and you know it's a slightly different characterization in each one but like at its core it's a not a movie that's like pro pro this woman in particular and like you i mean you know liz the photographer i think is a great character and a strong woman and i mean you could maybe argue that like she should let mike go maybe but like on the other hand they're clearly like they have a good like supportive like professional relationship the main character the main woman character they talk about her in really misogynistic ways this is an example of one of those types of movies where like the the view of the movie is like the woman needs to be taken to out of peg i mean it's actually an interesting Mm -hmm. movie to follow having just watched the quiet man because that's Mm -hmm. kind of how that was too like Mm -hmm. oh she's a wild woman and like yeah i have to show her who's boss and like basically the this movie presents as if the choice for her death is like someone who wants to bring her down off her high horse and sort of mm-hmm. just get her like silly in love mm-hmm. <laughs> and that the problem with their relationship was that she had some sort of like expectations of him or questioned like some of his life choices yeah how, so, dare, she? how dare she yes how dare she 
I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Do you want to talk back to all? Because we're practically there. Yes. Yes, let's do. I mean, I... I don't know if that passes the Bechdel test. I don't think it does. I mean, let's like if so, you've got Tracy, Liz, her mom, Carolyn, and the sister. Yeah, and the sister. And like pretty much all they do is talk about the men. Yeah. And even the mom, I mean, just not even Bechdel, but like from a feminist perspective, the mom actually says this line in the movie. I don't remember if it's in the Philadelphia story or not. She says that like her husband having an affair really doesn't concern anyone except for him. <laughs> Yeah, which are like, mm, I mean, you, you kind of like made some promises to each other and seems like a breach of those promises. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, like, there is a world in which you could say, like, to your adult child, like, this doesn't concern you. Right. Even though in this world, it does, like, obviously has an effect on her and, like, you know, they're having these reporters show up and stuff. But, like, for his wife to say, like, it's none of her business is very weird. Yes, I could hear, see it be like, it's not our kid's problem, it's our problem as a couple, but, like... Yeah, also, side note, I would have just been like, fine, let them run the story about him, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) I'm going off to get married, goodbye. Yeah. Um, So it doesn't pass. We all want to help one another, human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. What about um, social justice? It made me think a lot about wealth and money and capitalism and just like the extreme uh, expectations, I guess, about wealthy people that they have for themselves in the United States and how, I guess, just at this time, or maybe even now too, of just like, you know, just these enormous estates and this like whole like subculture of very wealthy people and the things they do and don't do. And like, this is obviously outside the like perspective of the movie, but to just like look at these enormous houses and be like, yeah, you should, everybody should be donating their houses to, um, to become schools. Like these houses are worthless (laughs) because they're enormous and you use, you know, two rooms at a time or whatever. Like, yeah, it, it also did seem like they were very idle, like except for planning the wedding everyone just seemed to be like lounging about yeah i mean that you know that there were two working people in the movie and it it felt very incestuous that level of society like it was the kind of place would be like you know you were around the same few families your whole life yeah and i mean i think that speaks to it being a problem (laughs) Among other things. Eat the rich, in other words. Yes. Um, so yeah, not not much of a social justice message. The only person well, I guess Mike and Liz speak about it. And it's a little bit more in this movie because of that song, but yeah. You're supposed to think that Mike is being a snob and that he's wrong though. Like the perspective of the movie is that he's wrong for not liking the rich (laughs) right yeah right this movie is very pro red people yeah so yeah not much of a social justice message (laughs) would you like to just to like clarify i would 100 percent build a bar behind a shelf of books like if i if i had the space (laughs) for it i would do that yes what book would you have be the trigger book that is such a good icebreaker question. <laughs> like as a like 
okay in a prim- a premise of like okay you have a library and if you pull on a book it uncovers a, a secret hidden bar what would the book be I mean I feel like I would make it be I was gonna say like Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. or like I feel like a smaller book just like seems to make sense to me yeah what about I Elements of style, I might oh the God. illustrated elements of style, and then I would be like, only people who care about proper usage can get into my bar. Oh my God, I love that! If you express any interest in the elements of style, you can come and you can edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, That's amazing. So, uh, what would you rate this movie? I feel like I should have been thinking about this. So, I I do feel a little bit like split about this movie because. Like, I do feel some nostalgia about it just because like it was it's a movie that like literally loomed over my whole childhood even though I didn't see it like I had this like oh someday I'm gonna watch High Society and I think like the things that I like vehemently disagree with they're also like the case in the Philadelphia story for the most part except for the fact that like all these actors are not necessarily as good as Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant so I guess like I'll be fairly neutral and fairly non-controversial maybe and just give it a three Whoa. I know you're gonna give it like a minus 67 or <laughs> I'm gonna give it a one and a half oh my god <laughs> And I was going to give it a one. And then I was like, you know what, though? Like, Louis Armstrong, Cole Porter. Yeah. I mean, Louis Armstrong alone, like, pulls it from the... Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's where I'm at. And Celeste Holm, I think, like, pulls it up from... Yeah, she she's good. Maybe 1.75. Is your dad a big fan of this movie, then? I'm going to have to ask how he feels about this movie in particular. I'm not sure. I know that he's like, I mean, he's a big fan of classic movies. And I think like individually, he is a big fan of Grace Kelly, Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. So I would guess that he's for this movie just generally. Yeah, I think so. watching. So so I've never been a big Frank Sinatra person, but seeing him in a couple of the recent movies has actually made me like him a little bit better because mm-hmm. um, he's not a bad actor. And I think sometimes there's difficulty translating someone like primarily a singer to an actor yeah so i mean i will say that like for for all of these you know for bing crosby and grace kelly and frank sinatra i i am interested in watching more things with them yeah i think i mean Mm -hmm. i feel like i've had a lot of bing in my life but um i would like to see more grace kelly just like more of her range after this yeah yeah so what's our next movie hillary our next movie is Father of the Bride with Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, since we didn't see Elizabeth Taylor in this movie, we're going to see her in the next movie. May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter at The Screen Sirens. Leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. And become a patron at patreon.com slash The Screen Sirens. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.